Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, previews, and reviews. Because we are again coming to you on a Sunday instead of a Thursday, uh, it is November. November 1st. And it's snowing. It's grappling. It's grappling here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is a soft hail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it afflict the Browns. Raiders game, and now it's come to visit us. Megan, may it uh, may it not darken your door. Thank you. I was worried because currently it's just kind of gray and sad outside, but it is not groppling. Yeah. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, we all learned that term today. Uh, <laughs> I'm Andy. Uh, Jenny is across the table for me. Hello. And as I already mentioned, 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hey there. Got a lot to get into, uh, but before we do any of the wrestling stuff, we of course have our Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Today, uh, we are opening a Barolo. Um, it is by the winery Casica Radici Poyana. So, is Poyana the name of the wine? I don't Honestly, I don't know. It seems like maybe there are just three words to the winery. I've Googled it. I can't tell. Okay. <laughs> it is. Look, uh, she Googled, okay? That's uh, yeah. Right. I mean, I tried. Um, <laughs> that's about the extent of my trying. Um, now, we know that Radici means roots mm-hmm. from Bella Radici. Right. Um, what does Cascina mean? I don't know. You can Google Translate that. Google me. Calm down, Otunga. Farmhouse. Okay, so this is Farmhouse Farmhouse Roots by Poyana. I assume must be the winery's name. And it's a Barolo, which um, comes from the Nebula grapes. Yes. Kind of like Gardens of the Galaxy. Yes, I think it's uh, Nebula or Nebiosa. Well, we actually, if... um, if any of our listeners are in the Columbus, Ohio area, we did a virtual wine tasting with uh, Six Wine Four, um, and the, the the person who runs that used to run our favorite um, wine lounge in Columbus. We and can say it now. It's closed. It's done. It's yeah. gone. Spaggio Wine Lounge. Yes. Um, Mourn you till I join you. Yeah. And, oh, God, don't get morbid on it. <laughs> pour, um, pour one out for the homies. <laughs> um, and we had a wonderful experience Friday evening. Um, Connor, who runs Six Wine Four, uh, dropped off four bottles of wine and an assortment of cheeses. We requested to do an Italian wine tasting with him. And so, um, and we had, I think, specifically requested one Prosecco and three reds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot, and he even picked out Italian cheeses and um, an Italian salami. It, it was just a lovely evening. Highly recommend if um, anyone's in the Columbus or probably even the Cleveland area. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out. Contact them. Yeah. It was reasonable. We paid for the, well, we actually haven't paid yet, but. um, We will at some point have paid for. (laughs) We paid for the wine and then it was $50. Yeah. Sixwine4.com. The the number six, the word wine, the number four. 
highly, highly recommend. Yeah. And this was an excellent Barolo. Barolo is normally a pretty pricey wine. I feel like most Barolos we've had have been like in the $60 range, but this was $27. Yeah. So he picked out very like budget conscious wines for us to do our wine tasting. And he provided us with um, something called a repour, which um, is like a stopper and it somehow like sucks the oxygen out of the wine. Um, so you don't have to drink all of the wine on the um, the night that you're doing your tasting. If you're if you have a sensitive palate to uh, vinegar. Yeah. So let me open this. Oh god. I think this wine opener might be broken. I had trouble with it the other week. Too. Oh my god. Oh my god. You're gonna have to edit this podcast because I can't open this one. No, this is gold. <laughs> that was was that the sound? Nope. nope. <laughs> Okay. She's still working on it. It's coming. <laughs> that was it. There was no sound. It was like when they when they uh, when Geraldo Rivera opened uh, uh, Al Capone's uh, secret vault and there was like nothing in it. <laughs> okay, Megan. Well, well let's you hope your pour is better. Um, I don't know that it will be. Uh, so you fancy people at your wine tasting. I was drinking box wine. And, and listening to Weezer? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, but I don't have any Christina Ricci's base grapes to drink either today. So I'm going with Skinny Girl Margaritas because Jenny recommended them. And um, it's just a bottle with a twist-off cap. I think Jenny tried to make this happen a week or two ago so i will crack it open but do not expect anything better than that grunt of effort we got from jenny here we go oh yeah did you hear that sweet crack i heard that i heard that sound like a screw top <laughs> it is a screw top guys that's how skinny margarita does you know screw top big congrats go out to uh um occasional guest justin shapiro on the seven and oh pittsburgh steelers and their rapist quarterback miami alum what? Yeah. yeah all right guys let us get into it uh i'm gonna structure things a little bit differently this week um because there was a big injury uh that took place in aew land Really? Yes, this is from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Abaddon was seriously injured in a October 22nd taped match with Ty Conchi, scheduled for the this week's Dynamite. Uh, the decision was made not to air the match, and after the injury, they stopped advertising the match for the show. Conchi elbowed her in the throat, and she couldn't breathe <gasps> in what was called a scary situation. Uh, they stopped the match immediately and got her to a hospital. Um, she's expected to make a full recovery, but that sounds scary. That sounds terrifying now i will say this this does kill her gimmick a little bit because i assumed that as a living dead girl she didn't need to breathe <laughs> true right <laughs> yeah i mean in kayfabe world this is an atrocity um yeah. in in shoot well, thank, world thank god, I'm scared they, thank god they didn't air it then right like <laughs> yeah i do remember seeing the advertisements for it last week and it totally slipped my mind that that was a thing that yeah. didn't make the show. Wow. Um, I just, that that's really scary. Mm -hmm. 
and other other uh, AEW adjacent news, Jake Hager had a uh, tough fight, winning a split decision over Brandon Colton on Thursday night in Bellator. Uh, so Hager is now what is his record now? He's like three 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 wins, no losses, and that one no contest he got for kneeing that guy in the junk. So. <laughs> Like multiple times. Yes. So the reality of Hager is he's 40 years old. He's not that good. And he's never going to be a contender at at a high level, even in Bellator. But it's probably good that he won this fight. It's better for him to win this fight than lose this fight. So I feel like he's, I mean, with the AEW now under his belt as well, is he more of a draw for Bellator? Does he get more? You would think so. But no. they didn't even put him on the television portion. They put him on. Um, you could watch uh, the prelims for the show on their on uh, Bellator's YouTube channel. Oh yikes! Yeah. Okay, well then they're not <laughs> even using him in a way that would be beneficial for them. No, I saw. I'll, maybe I'll I'll show you guys a picture later. But I saw a picture of him after the fight. He did not look like the winner of a fight. He <laughs> he was really busted up. Do you think he'll retire if he's got a AEW paycheck? study paycheck now um i don't know i think he enjoys like doing fight camps and training and stuff like that it's just that he's not well but couldn't he do that like couldn't couldn't that just be his like like for fun yeah Yeah, but i mean i don't know like how how maybe maybe there's something maybe it's different when you know you're not actually trying to achieve the goal of winning a real fight yeah, but although John has, Moxley does all that training and he seems to enjoy it, he's never had to had a real fight. So. Yeah, and you have to put your body through like an actual real fight. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I didn't see the fight uh, because, as I said, it wasn't televised. Um, but it sounds like he won a split decision against a guy who is forty years old and has only had like two pro fights before. So he's, oh. he's been, he's been, he's been um, placed against people who should be tomato cans and he's having a tough time with them. Mm. So. Well, AEW sure does like to talk about it though. Yeah. I mean, and they should, they really should because they can spin it in a way that makes it seem more impressive than it actually is. Yeah. yeah. They're entertainers. Yeah. And as long as he's actually, as long as on the record, he's winning the fights, then you can, you can keep pretending that it's, you know, like something <laughs> impressive. True. Yeah. The reality is that most AEW fans are not going to tune in to actually watch the Bellator fights to like check up on how, how Jake Hager actually performs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here's a pet peeve I have. So, um, I was very angry a few years ago when I had pre-ordered a Kevin Owens Blu-ray. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't a Kevin Owens Blu-ray. That actually came out. I had pre-ordered an NXT Blu-ray. Oh, I know this saga. It was, (laughs) it was, uh, I believe it was like, what was like, it was like a countdown. It was basically like that WWE countdown show, but just for NXT. Right, Megan? It was like the, the top NXT superstars. Like top, was it 50 or 25? It, it might have like just 25 been 25. or 30 or something, yeah. But anyway, it seemed like a really cool thing. They it was, it was a Blu-ray that they were publishing. They were putting it out. I pre-ordered it. I was very excited. And they canceled my order. Because WWE, at that point, 
decided they were no longer going to make Blu-rays. They were only making DVDs from that point forward. And I just thought, who doesn't have a Blu-ray player now? If you have, if you have a PlayStation 3, an Xbox One, a PlayStation 4, you have a Blu-ray player. So I got or very just mad. like a Blu-ray player. Or just a Blu-ray player. Like I understand that like everybody in the world had a DVD player. But my point was like I, f- I feel like they pulled the plug too quickly. So imagine my consternation when I go onto Pro Wrestling Tees to check on the new products available and AEW is releasing all of their DVD, all of their pay-per-views on home video only in the DVD format. That's so weird. This is a company run by young gamers, largely, who all have Blu-ray players because they have consoles. This is a bunch of shit. I I wonder, like, cost-wise, what the financial benefit is to doing that. Like, is it really that much more expensive to put it out on Blu-ray? I don't know. I wish I did. I'm sure that there are, I'm sure that there are like business reasons for this, but it just, it makes me mad because, okay, we're at the point where like a lot of people in this country have 4k TVs, not just, not just HD TVs, but they have 4k TVs. So we can watch dynamite on a Wednesday night on TNT and it is broadcast to us in 1080p and it's probably filmed in 4k because I think most like, professional production like video cameras are just 4k cameras at this point but if you buy the dvd of these pay-per-views which were also broadcast in hd on um, pay-per-view and on br live where we watch them then you're getting at best a 480p picture of this of this paper it's like why who wants that who is that for i don't know but i I, I will support you in your rant a little bit. Go ahead, tie it to Jane Austen. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> <laughs> That's Jenny's move. It's been really tough to find the Jane Austen masterpiece um, movies of of the books in Blu-ray format or in HD. And when I try to watch just the regular DVD or the regular like SD streaming, it is on our on the new TV that we got like a couple years ago, it is so grainy that I can't even watch it. So you know my pain. Yes. Okay. I'll let you have your pain. Megan, do you have any thoughts on this or do you think I'm making like, am am I just making too much of this and I need to let it go? I guess, can I think both it is a problem, but also maybe you should just let it go? Yes, I agree with you, Megan. Because I get it, it's very annoying, especially because I I know you're one of those people, one of many people who curate like a Blu-ray collection of things, Mm -hmm. movies and such. And I can see how it really annoys you that this one thing like isn't happening on Blu-ray. But I also just, I don't know, they're a young company. Maybe we can't really count on them to put that much of their budget towards that just yet. Maybe it'll get better in the coming years, you know, when things get back on track and everybody's a little more financially stable. I truly am confused about the economics of it, though, because, you know, I can live without the Blu-ray. Like, I'm not going to buy these things on Blu-ray, but if they're filmed at that quality anyway, 
what is the hurdle to just doing Blu-ray instead of like a standard DVD? I, I guess that's my confusion is if it's if no extra step to film it in a way that allows them to put it on Blu-ray, why not? Um, but again, I know nothing about like producing these sorts of things. I don't know if Blu-rays are way, way, way more expensive to do or what the deal is, but I, would I guess also... no, for now, um, enjoy your digital copy and uh, maybe wait it out for a physical one. Yeah, I what I would say is that why are they even making these on physical media anyway? With the age of their fan base, no one wants a physical copy. Why are they not selling on pro wrestling to use the digital copy of these in HD where they, one, wouldn't have to pay for someone to manufacture them into a lesser quality and two, have the better quality picture? I think that's the real question, not why are not why are they not putting these on Blu-ray? Why are they not just selling these digital? Why are they doing DVDs anyway? I do want, I do wonder if they are going to sell them digitally on like iTunes and stuff for, you know, like 15, 20 bucks, so, you know, you can keep them forever. Unlike the, you know, uh, cause you'd have to sell them for a lot less than they cost to live on pay-per-view. But um, so what's the point of even doing these? DVDs? I, I don't think you should be upset that they're putting these out in DVD instead of Blu-ray. I think you should just be upset that they're putting these out in DVD anyway. Well, I'm not. I'm not upset that they exist on DVD. I'm just. Ex I'm upset that there's not an option for me as well. You can't draw like a red line, angry point of they made it on DVD, so that's money wasted that they could have put towards future Blu-ray produ production. Yeah, I don't okay. know if that's a thing. <laughs> I well, yeah, I don't know. Um, I did find. A, this is you know this is not anything this is this is from the famous quora.com where people go on the internet and just ask questions and people professing to be experts answer them but this is from june 11th 2012 where someone asked a question does a blu-ray disc cost more than a dvd to make or are we being stiffed and uh bill shepherd tech consultant 2014 to the present answered this question Blu-ray discs definitely cost more to manufacture than DVD for a number of reasons. Because the cost of replicating equipment is much higher than for DVD, there are far fewer plants which can produce BD-ROM discs. Uh, Sony holds a large share of the market, so there's less competition. Uh, to put a 50 gigabytes on a disc requires far greater tolerances than DVD. Uh, it says the pits are much closer together and much closer to the surface of the discs. So there are more rejects, which raise costs. And most titles ship fewer copies on Blu-ray than DVD, uh, which I'm, sh I'm guessing is not as much of an issue eight years later, but as, as the market ships. And also authoring Blu-ray discs cost more than DVDs. Um, so it's, it's, it does sound like there are costs involved, and maybe DVDs are just cheap enough to produce at this point that it doesn't really matter. It's like you're not going to take a big loss if something doesn't hit, but on a Blu-ray maybe you would. Yeah, I guess that mathematically, if you do the risk assessment, maybe they just aren't confident it will end up in their favor. I think they should go back to putting out VHS tapes and solve this whole problem. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> All the retro nerds will buy those. Yes, if they if, and then they could sell like AEW 
like like old uh, Panasonic DVD player or uh, v- VCRs with the AEW sticker slapped on it or something. Hell yeah! All right, let us talk. Being the elite. It was being the elite episode two twenty seven, entitled "Dark Order Halloween Party." I actually really enjoyed this episode. Me too. We didn't talk about it last week because because we we kind of skimmed over being the elite, but uh, they're they're doing a um, a big tournament, a, a mini golf tournament. Technically, it's gator golf because you have to pop the ball into the gator's mouth. Yikes! Um, <laughs> Jenny, do you not remember those? Of course. And but I don't know. And Matt Jackson, John Silver, and Trent question mark all advanced to the uh, semifinals of the tournament and then there was the dark word halloween party which was a lot of fun people just kept like coming in the private party tried to get in and john silver informed him that this was a public party and he needs to fuck right off they need to fuck right off <laughs> and uh finally i guess like the kind of the the overarching story was a parody of that Goosebumps book where the the camera would, the Polaroid camera would uh, foretell the future. Mm-hmm. That was, a, that was a Goosebumps book, right? I'm sure that story has been told in multiple forms, but I do remember distinctly the Goosebumps book about this same scenario. Yeah. Say cheese and die. Yeah. Yes. So, but this way it was... Um, Matt iPhone F. Yeah, his new iPhone F, which as we turned found out stood for future. If you took a picture with it, you would see like what bad thing was going to befall the person whose picture was taken. Yeah, you never get like a good future. So mean. Yeah, it would have been funny if like he had taken one picture of someone and like everything just worked out for that person. <laughs> I guess technically it does for the best friends, even though he didn't take their picture. That's true. They did get, they get to finally kill Brandon Cutler. They did. Um, anything else you want to say about about it? Aside from um, Alex Reynolds being a history buff? I loved his slutty George Washington costume. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I was a fan of how the the pockets came out beneath the cut of his like khakis, khaki shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was fun that they were all dc comics characters except for alex reynolds and silver and yeah because anna yeah. jay was uh zatanna right yes which i had to look up because i was not familiar with her character but she's very good powerful to know. it makes sense anna jay she yeah. is the did you listen to brody's episode of undisputed no unrestricted <laughs> uh not yet no Okay, um, her. her number. Well, he talked about how we we were confused on the numbering and how she's ninety nine, but everyone else is like up to ten only. Mm-hmm. And he said it wasn't like a anything special. It's just a reference to Wayne Gretzky's number. So. <laughs> okay, because she's the greatest. Yep, and so it, also so it's not a get smart reference like I thought. No, but Tony was like, I thought it was a get smart reference. <laughs> okay, so I felt like. If you listen to that, you'll feel validated. Somebody else thought that, but I'll no, feel validated that an old ass man thought it was the same thing I thought it was. <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing that you'd feel validated about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. 
Anytime I'm on the right, I'm on the same side of something as Tony Schiavone, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, see? So in that sense, you were very on par with him. Um, other than that, I think that I just love that Wardlow was the bouncer for the party because I guess he still is palling around with Silver and Reynolds to some extent, and that makes me happy. I like that there was finally a bit of a payoff to Jim Ross, uh, the Jim Ross commentary line of uh, Stu, don't call me Dick Grayson. Oh, yeah. As, uh, as Stu Grayson was wearing a really weird It was a woman's Robin. Robin. It was a woman's Robin. I guess it was yeah. a slutty Robin costume, right? <laughs> yeah. the ch You could tell because the chest was like clearly supposed to, it's like a lady's cut shirt, basically. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was a dress, but he had pants on under it. Mm -hmm. And Uno was Riddler, and Alan Angels, and Ten, Preston Vance, right? That's his name. Yeah. We're both yeah. the Joker, but they shit all over Angels' Joker costume, and we're very impressed by uh, Preston Vance's Joker costume. Which was weird, because he looked like kind of, um, um, he had messed up like baby doll hair on, like it was mm -hmm. a wig, but he looked like that with what was the equivalent of his mask, but with the Joker scars sort of sewn in. It almost looked like a baseball instead of anything else, but they loved it, and they really hated um, Five's, like, legitimate, just, like, straight-up rubber Joker mask. Damn it, Five. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I think that probably covers uh, BTE. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the tournament, I have to say. Yeah. I guess we'll find out who wins next week. Maybe. Are they? Do you think they'll do the semifinals and the finals on the same show? Uh, I guess they could stretch it out. Yeah. Although next week, I know it's unrelated, but it is the last BTE before Full Gear. That's true. Uh, okay. Let's talk. Uh, we haven't talked about this in a while, but I want to talk a little bit about AEW Dark. So there were two two big things on Dark that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon had their third match after two indecisive finishes. They finally had a no DQ, no count out match. And did you did you get a chance to see this, Megan? I did not. I'm so excited to hear how this played out, though. Okay, so they worked. It was like a hardcore match, and dur so during the match. Um, Leva Bates wouldn't let Peter Avalon cheat in exactly the way, like he wanted her to hand him a book and she wouldn't do it. And so they argued and she, he told her that she was worthless. And, Aww. and so she walked out. So I think that they're broken up and wait, were they dating? No, I say like as a, as an act. And, uh, but yeah, so that was the big kind of story point. And then the young bucks came out to ringside to cheer Brandon on and he was able to to you know rally himself and and he uh he got the pin on uh on Peter Avalon oh good for him now he's he's got a one in that W column yes I believe they, they flashed his record and on the screen afterwards I think he's one in 126 and two. <gasps> Ooh. That's a tough record nice. to kind of recover from. It very much. Maybe 2021 will be his year. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then the other big thing was an alley promo 
with uh, Eddie Kingston, where she was just like was making fun of QT Marshall for falling in love with her, and how he just she just used him and maxed out his credit cards and and had her fun and left. Oh, they did reference that on Dynamite, so I I heard the part about the credit card thing. Yeah, and then uh, my favorite thing on the show was uh, the debut of legit Layla Hirsch who debuted and lost to Hikaru Shida in a non-title match. And she, I, I was so impressed with Layla Hirsch, and and I didn't even know at that point, less than 24 hours before, that she was going to wrestle on Dynamite the next night. So uh, I, I, I'm really, I think there's a lot of potential for her, and we, we could talk more about her um, during the Dynamite recap. Unless Did you get a chance to watch that match, Megan? I linked you to it this afternoon, but I know it was pretty late in the game. No, but I did see her on Dynamite, and okay. I, I am pro Layla Hirsch. All right. Okay, well, I think that takes us uh, right into Dynamite Land, if you'd want to get us started on that. Uh, yes, I would love to. We jump in with a backstage interview where Dasha is talking to Wardlow and MJF, and she asks Wardlow how he's going to feel knowing that he could possibly become the AEW World Champion if he wins his match tonight and goes on to the finals of this tournament. And Warlow doesn't get a chance to talk because, of course, MJF is there. So he breaks in and says, you know, if Warlow wins, because he's under contract to MJF, MJF is the one who will become the AEW World Champion. And I'm pretty sure that in the company, that's not how it works. But when MJF asks Wardlow to confirm this, he looks kind of annoyed, but ultimately agrees. The announcers pretty much said that that's not how it worked afterwards, too. Yeah. I leave it to MJF to come up with his own rules. Yeah. Um, but right after that, Sammy breaks in and he starts yelling at MJF because he really wants him to know that no matter what, Sammy will never let him into the inner circle because there's going to be a town hall later in the show to technically determine this, but Sammy just full on is not going to accept MJF in the inner circle. And MJF starts insulting his promos against uh, Matt Hardy. So Sammy gets even more mad. The, the line he said where he said, let me give you some promo advice, kid. Don't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy just looked at him. He's so mad. <laughs> and then he got closer up in his face, but I mean, he didn't really respond with anything super compelling, except I, I assume that after Matt, he's coming for MJF. I don't know if this has caused him to split his focus or refocus on MJF, but he's mad. Yeah. Well, he said that, you know, um, he's just, you know, he didn't really have anything to say because he's just thinking of all the things he's going to do to MJF. Sure. Oh, little Sammy. I have a question for Jenny. And then I guess Megan, you can you can tackle it as well. Oh, thank you. When the Wardlow turn happens, and he and MJF are feuding, which is inevitable, do you think that Wardlow is too big to be an effective babyface? Like, like I think it'll be fine for that program because people will want him to get, like, you know, get over on MJF for being mean to him for all that time. But afterwards, after he's like on his own, is he, is he too big to be a sympathetic, good baby face? I mean, John Cena and Roman Reigns were baby faces. Roman Reigns got booed out of every building for five years as WWE tried to push a boulder uphill. <laughs> I want, I John feel like Cena that's unfair. Was a so. successful baby John Cena is one of the greatest wrestlers who's ever lived. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think, 
Um, I think John Cena is unfair because he's just so superior to everyone else that, of course, he of course he succeeded. So are you saying that people booed Roman Reigns because he was too big to be a babyface? No, I just thought that was a bad example because he wasn't he wasn't an over babyface. I I feel like, but it's unfair to his situation because Vince was being very stubborn and just decided this is happening, mm-hmm. and that's you know I I don't think it's as much Roman's fault, like quality of what he was doing wise. I like Roman, and I'm sad that they that he got booed so much. He's I understand doing, he's why. Doing, he's doing the best work of his career right now, Megan. Don't be don't be sad for Roman. Okay, no, I'm happy for him now that he. I just feel like it's it's sad to bring up that five, or not five month. You said run where um, five year. Oh, I wanted. I was about to say year, and then it sounded too long. Yeah, um, that's about just about right. The five year time span when Vince was like, this guy is going to get over and the crowd is going to suck it up and like it. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel bad because I don't think it's all on Roman that that was happening. But what about Wardlow? Um, in a crowd atmosphere like AEW, I think he could get over. I, I think they're more ready to accept um non-traditional storylines and non-traditional characters in positions you know like and i think wardlow on bte has been funny with what little he said he seems like he has timing and an understanding of delivery that if they give him a mic and let him try to be a baby face i think he might have a chance i would i'd like to see it like me personally i'm into it i'm gonna give him a shot and i just feel like the aew crowd is a little more forgiving in that sense Okay. I have some concerns, but I, I, you know, I'm, I think, I think he's, he's really talented, so he's going to, he's going to do okay. And they're, you know, and they're smart. And if there's like, if it's not working, they will probably change directions. Yeah. I mean, Luchasaurus is over as a baby face. He is, but he's also like, I don't know. It's kind of like a gimmick for kids, you know? True. (laughs) I was just trying to think of the other big guys and... Yeah. You know, they, they've made them all mean in this company. Yeah, all the hosses except for Luchasaurus are heels. Yeah. With that being said, though, um, as far as Wardlow is concerned, this interview happened and then he walked right out into the ring where he was going to have his match. And we're getting into the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament semifinals on this show. It's a mouse. So War- Yeah. <laughs> so Wardlow uh, is facing off against Adam Page in this semifinal match. And Adam Page, as we've all predicted, gets the win. It does take two buckshot lariats for him to do that, but he he does it. Um, And I don't know, this match, I I had fun with it, and I always forget how much of a hoss Adam Page actually is because he looks deceptively, I don't know, little that yep deceptively pretty and like smaller than your typical hoss on the aew roster so these two boys had like a as jr would say like a slobber knocker of a match yeah i really liked it um and they did a great job of protecting wardlow he hit the f10 and hangman was had enough like presence of mind to roll to the outside so he wasn't able to capitalize and then like you said it took two buckshot lariats because like the first one only knocked him like down to one knee 
and mm-hmm. uh, and Hangman had to had to hit him with a second one before he fell down and he was able to cover him. So they, they it was I thought that was the way they laid that out was pretty clever because it made it seem like he could have won the match if Hangman hadn't been able to roll out, and then it took two finishers to to keep him down. Yeah, and Hangman went hard. Like as soon as the bell rang, he went for it, and Ward, Wardlow, like right at the beginning, was able to just turn it around and get some offense on him. So it wasn't like either man was handily beaten by the other. It was it was pretty close. Um, it should be said that Adams Chiron was emotionally unavailable, and after <laughs> after the match, he drank a beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's uh. He's drawing closer to a time when he might have to face his best buddy. So I can, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this was like a total success. Yeah. Except for thought... except for when Hangman, when they, when they were, that, there was that spot near the end where they were fighting on the top rope for a long time. And I was very scared because mm-hmm. they're really big and there's not a lot of space up there. And then Hangman gave him the fallaway slam, but Wardlow's huge. So he didn't really launch him that far. And Wardlow landed like pretty much on his head but he was okay yeah i was concerned about that because he got up and he did the typical selling of like grabbing the back of your head mm-hmm. but i really worried that maybe he had hurt himself but he seemed fine so it was yeah. uh close you have any thoughts on this one megan or uh jenny sorry pretty predictable i mean i think we knew who was going to win every match on this dynamite. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But wasn't it like satisfying to just go in and be like, I know what's going to happen. I'm just going <laughs> to enjoy. Yeah. I know that's my criticism of dark, but at least on these matches, you've got two roster people that have stories going. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam page moves on. To the finals next up we have a video promo from john moxley as we talked about earlier he apparently really loves training in the mma style and he's hanging out at the gym in his workout gear and he starts talking about how he's worked hard all year long to make the AEW world championship the number one championship in the sport of wrestling and he's very proud of that and now he's going to weaponize that championship against the miserable excuse-making Eddie Kingston, because he needs it. Um, And kind of between what Moxley's saying, we get shots of Eddie Kingston looking calm and in prayer. So, two juxtaposition, or like a real juxtaposition there from what we've seen from Kingston. Um, I didn't know Eddie was like a spiritual guy. I never really made that connection with him. He's from Boston, right? From what or New York? Sorry, New York. I think yeah. He's got the heavy accent. I, I I just assume he's like a good old Catholic boy. Probably yeah. East Coast, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was. It looks like he's getting into a very, a more spiritual headspace. Maybe getting ready for this one. Uh, and Moxley's just training in the gym. So, um, we do get to hear from Eddie though after this promo. Uh, he enters the ring prior to his upcoming match, and he's got the Butcher of the Blade and the Bunny with him, but they don't really do much at this point. Um, Kingston says he's mad that the world champion isn't here, and he blames that on John Moxley being a coward. He also has a moment where he chases a cameraman out of the ring, 
because he says, you didn't train to be here. And <laughs> I guess you got to earn it, even if you're doing the filming. Um, Seems unreasonable on the part of the challenger. It does. You'd think maybe you want to get your message out to the champion who is at home watching this. He's letting this pay-per-view main event uh, shot go to his head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does during his uh, promo shout out to Lance, who is sitting up in the nosebleed section with Jake watching this whole thing go down. He shouts out to Lance and says that, you know, once again, I was never eliminated from that casino battle royale. And then he like waves and says, hi, Lance. So he's really poking the bear on that one. Yeah, they've got to do that. They've got to do that, like, at least on Dynamite after the pay-per-view or something, right? Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this was all a preamble to his match that is up next, and it is against Matt Seidel. Um, Eddie Kingston gets the win. He does a bulldog choke on poor little Matt Seidel, and he refuses to release it even after Matt taps so Matt Seidel's tapping and looking in pain and then the bunny comes up and gives him gives Kingston a microphone and Kingston goes hey John say I quit um and Matt Seidel quickly says like I quit and then Eddie Kingston like he's in uh the fog of war here I guess and he says sorry Mox after Seidel does that and then releases him and he looks a little confused like like he went somewhere in his head i i have no problem with eddie kingston beating matt seidel like especially you know in when... preparation for his title shot yes but right i don't i didn't like that matt seidel quit no i think it... that i think that damages a baby face yeah and I liked the match up to that point because it was very yeah. much David and Goliath. You know, Matt Seidel was coming at him with high-flying moves and Eddie Kingston's just the brawler mm -hmm. trying to counter that. Um, so up to that point, I was okay with it. But it it did feel like not as extreme as last week when Kenny destroyed Sonny Kiss. It just, but it felt in the same vein of, couldn't you find somebody else to do this to? Yeah. If that's the way you're going. Yeah, could, was Sean Dean not available? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lee Johnson. Shoddy Lee Johnson. Feed him to the the beast. Is Eddie actually going to say I quit, or is John Moxley going to knock him out? Eddie is going to say I quit. I would I I, I can't see any other way how this how this ends, because he's just been so cocky about it, and there's no way they're going to make him world champion. No. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the only way the match can end, right? You literally can't have yeah. any other ending. Right. Well, but what if you, you've been totally knocked out and are incapacitated? Well, you can't say I quit at that point. I guess that's where this being a work of fiction comes in handy. <laughs> but they're not... Do you think there is a like 1% chance where they set it up the way they've done with the rest of this where Eddie does get knocked out and it's kind of just like nothing we can do about it we gotta end this match and then he can still say I didn't say I quit I mean I mean the, yeah, yes but then what is what, they're what not is, gonna continue that story yeah like what is that I thought the same thing what do you get out of that 
Like I, just another a third Moxley Kingston match for Eddie Kingston to lose. Yeah, I guess that's true. It just seems like his running thing is I didn't um tap out. I didn't get uh eliminated from the thing. Mm -hmm. it, it just seems to be like his his line of reasoning. So if they were gonna drag this on a little excuse, more. Yeah. yeah. Um it's hard for me to believe that also even if he does say I quit, he's not gonna come up with some I don't know, some reason as to how it wasn't fairly done. I mean, he might, but I think that AEW has been pretty good about living up to stipulations and delivering on things like that. So I, I have I have no doubt that somebody's going to say I quit. I can't, yeah. And in that sense, I cannot imagine it being John Moxley because no like way. you said, no. they're not giving that title to Eddie. No. Okay. And I think that would be devastating to John Moxley's character for him to for him to say that too. Yeah, I mean, like, talk about ruining heel, a baby which, face. Which there's no reason for him to turn heel. So. Yeah. Mm. Everyone else is turning heel. They don't need Moxley too. What the bucks, Kenny, Cody? I didn't. I didn't disagree. I... <laughs> it's just the elite that are turning heel, as a group, except for Adam, who. Is emotionally unavailable and therefore incapable of turning heel at this moment. <laughs> All right. Well, I, uh, yeah, other than poor little Sidal getting put in a weird position, I guess that was a good way to see that Eddie's very mad and he hits really hard. Yeah. And I mean, also is mentally affected by John Moxley. Yeah. They've, they've definitely talked me into wanting to see this match. Yeah, I mean, before I couldn't care less, so. But I think both of their promos have been so good that mm -hmm. it's, yeah. No, I don't think the match is going to be great, because I don't think Eddie Kingston's a very good wrestler, but, I mean, the promos It's not going to be your kind of match. It's going to be a lot, I think it's going to be a lot of, like, violence and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I assume there'll be blood. There will be blood. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> oh, I would love a milkshake right now. Mm. But that's neither here nor there. Let's go to the next segment. And this is a interview kind of with uh, the Young Bucks and FTR. Um, the Young Bucks and FTR are in separate locations and Excalibur is sitting with the Young Bucks. It was a very weird to structure it that way. Yeah, it's like... It stacks the deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, why can't they just be in the same room? They, they come to fisticuffs. I sure, sure, I guess. Um, I mean, Matt is wearing his Shawn Michaels cross earring, so I think he oh, is in a certain oh. mindset. I love that oh, earring. So, so dumb. <laughs> it's so gaudy. Um, when he got it, I just, I just assumed that that was like a a, a BTE only thing. <laughs> to see it cross over into into Dynamite Land was very uh, surprising to me. Is it a clip on? I don't know. Oh, uh, I can see it being a clip on. It's so gaudy. But yeah, Dana, Dana it, can't like that. Uh -uh. No. <laughs> and he sure made made it clear that he was wearing it. Like he had his ear uh, out, hair pushed behind it, that earring just straight at the camera. He uh, wants you to see his douchey earring. Yeah, it's very bad. But that wasn't the point of the interview. That's just a kind of what where he's at in his headspace, I assume. Um, 
Excalibur does ask him about his ankle, because if you'll remember, he got it crushed in a chair by FDR a week ago. And Matt's like, he tries to play it off. He says, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But Nick clearly says, you're hurt, man. And I don't know, I guess they're brothers, they know, but Matt claims he's fine. Excalibur turns to FDR and asks them, why would you put the upcoming match in jeopardy by doing this to Matt? And they just say, like, we know it's a quote-unquote dream match, but we're not really worried about dream matches. We just want to make sure we are maintaining the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And, you know, they just don't really seem all that concerned about getting the edge on the Young Bucks. Um, Excalibur turns back to the Bucks and and says it's been suggested that the whole foot thing with Matt is a bit of the Bucks getting a comeuppance for their behavior for the past couple weeks because, you know, they've been less than awesome, super kicking everyone they can find. And Matt explains that the old, like, killer instinct is back with the Young Bucks. And this happened because basically FTR showed up and started messing around with their friends. So something inside them snapped. And that's why they've just been acting the way that they've been acting. Um, Excalibur goes to ask another question to the Young Bucks, and at this point, FTR are not getting enough attention, and they're mad about it. So they take their ball and go home, and we continue on without them. Uh, Excalibur asks Nick, um, you know, like, how do you feel about this match? Because now the Bucks have more to lose than just the championship. And at this point, we learn that Matt has requested that the stipulation be added that if the Bucks don't win the titles at full gear, they will never challenge for them again because they do their best when they bet on themselves. So is this what we have to look forward to every November? That full gear, every year, we'll have someone putting a I can never challenge for this title again if I lose stipulation. <laughs> God. I, I hope not. There's only so many titles. Yeah. Come um, on. This felt like a Hail Mary to get people to give a shit about this feud <laughs> to me because they've so badly botched the build up to it. And I, I so it, it does make me wonder if this was a last minute addition or if this was the plan all along because I just, I'm not feeling this at all. And I, and I think the main issue is that they they basically turned the young bucks into at best tweeners for this build, and they should have been like like hot baby faces who you really want to see take the titles from FTR. And I just I just don't give a shit. Yeah, why do you think they timed this like weird turn for the bucks before this match? I think the idea was they wanted to give the young bucks an edge, mm. but I don't think they needed it. No, I think they just made them whiny. Yeah, so I, I think they totally miscalculated. And what what was like a real big, it was truly was a big like internet dream match four years ago. Now that we're getting it, it's I'm sure I'm sure it'll be a great match in the ring because these are two great tag teams and they will have a great match. But I'm not nearly as excited as I should be. Yeah, they're so good at telling stories, and even if the match is good, like, wrestling-wise, it probably won't be as good as it 
could have story-wise because they also as they turn the young bucks heel or tweener they also like unleashed full heel ftr because at the beginning they were kind of i mean they were kind of cocky dicks but they were fine. you didn't really know where they stood yeah and yeah. it's like okay if the young bucks are gonna be mean cool but that, now they're both mean, so <laughs> i don't know like it's kind of a weird dynamic yeah, and I assume that the Young Bucks are just going to win the titles because you can't, you can't. What are you going to create a TNT Tag Team Championship for them <laughs> for them to win next year? I mean, like, you you said there should be a second tag team championship, but for trios. That's true. They need to like they need to like get along but with one of their the friends. The Bucks couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I assume the Young Bucks are just going to win this, which also feels like. They're giving away the ending. It's well that, and it just feels too early. Like I kind of feel like the Bucks should probably lose the first match in the feud, but now they can't. I because if yeah, they lose I the was, first match in the feud, there can't be a second match in the feud because of the stipulation anyway. Right. I was definitely with you though. It feels so soon to take the titles off FTR after what they did to get them. Um, and then how much they're bragging about how great they are and putting on a show. It's not been that long with their antics of being heels. It just seems so quick to take it off them legitimately. Yeah, but, they've like they've, you said, they've been champions for less than two months at this point. Yeah, but I they guess they just won at the last pay per view. So yeah, if the if the Bucks can never challenge for the title again, Jenny, Jenny, you do make kind of a good point about that trios thing, though. Hey, I hope that's how it plays out because Jenny, that's a damn good idea, and I would love to see a trios division or whatever section of the roster because I think that'd be really fun. And if they want to put a belt out there to make it legit, go for it. Yeah, but M- maybe if they're nicer, Adam will come hang out with them. Maybe, but I still I still feel like the Bucks are just. Bag titles here. I think I think they are. I think they kind of gave away the ending with the stipulation. Yeah, me too. Hmm. All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess we can look forward to like a good match, as you said. Um, if nothing else, I, it's just I don't think anybody needs to say they'll never challenge for anything because we all know that much like comics, this is not the sort of thing that lasts. Yep. Characters die. But then they're not really dead. Cody is going to challenge for the AEW world title at some point. I don't think he is. I think he is. I think they're going to do like a weird um, match where they combine. He'll still have the title. And it'll be a match to combine the titles at some point. Oh, like they'll do a unification match? Uh-huh. But that's like still TNT him challenging for the world title. I know, but then they could be like, well, this is the stipulation. Cody's the one who holds the title, so he has to challenge. I don't think you can't help it. I think, I think they made that. See, that's that's. Here's what I think they're thinking is with doing it this year. I think they think that their fans will believe that it's real because they haven't gone back on the Cody step in, in a whole year. Mm. But they just made him a new title. Well, yeah, that's the problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny's prediction is going to come to like truth i think so so you do you both think the young bucks are going to lose i think the young bucks are going to win okay. but i think if they lose they're going to create the young bucks a new title 
Okay. I think the Young Bucks are going to win, and they're at some point just going to get around to creating a trios division anyway, because those matches are a lot of fun, and it just makes too much sense. Um, When we make our picks, for chaos sake, I'm going to say Young Bucks lose. You can hold me to that. Oh yeah, well, at the end of this episode, we're going to have to get Jenny's picks, because, uh, spoiler alert, she's not going to be around for next week's uh, next week's episode. It's the big, it's her big quarterly uh, uh, week off uh, from the Elite Beat, so you're going to have to make your picks early. Okay. All this right. stresses her out so much, once a quarter, she just has to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will get to those picks at the end. For now, let's move on to the next segment, and that is the big AEW town hall meeting where we are going to determine whether or not MJF gets to join the Inner Circle because the Inner Circle went the man on the street opinion on this one, which I guess is just other wrestlers. So Tony and Dasha get to moderate this, which is great because they're very good moderators. Did Dasha do Um, anything? I think she bantered with Tony at the beginning, but that was okay, it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I think Tony only got mad and stepped in one time, and then the, the rest of the time, it, was, it just ran smoothly. Um, it's not a presidential debate, so well, just, don't worry. Like, why are Jericho and MJF so obsessed with doing these, like, spoofs of political things? Because they really like attention, and these segments are big and take a long time. Like, cause, cause MJF had his whole like campaigning for a title shot gimmick where he had like the team and Jericho and Orange Cassidy had the, had the, like the debate. Yep. And now we get a, a, a town hall. It's too much. It is. I don't want to think about this shit when I'm watching AEW. Nope. <laughs> I, it's just, they like to be important, I think. And, and what really pisses me off is that the first half of this sucked so much but then when they just got down to business of MJF and Jericho, like doing promos on each other and like about what the actual feud is about, then I really enjoyed it. But I had to like sit through 10 minutes of wrestlers asking stupid questions and an Eric Bischoff cameo. Like, fuck that. Like, stop shoving this shit in my wrestling show. You think they'll stop after Tuesday? They it fucking did feel very... Oh, no. I think they'll find a way to tie it in whatever fall there is from Tuesday. Oh, God. I hope not. Uh, yeah. I This felt very, like, raw segment to me. Yes. Which is to say... Every time they man, do something like this, it comes off like, like a raw reject segment. Yeah, like, I look kind of at the time that's elapsed, and I, I think this is a wrestling show, right? When will the, there be wrestling again? Yeah. Uh, which is how I always felt at the beginning of Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's. Uh, I know at least, you said at least it's we up. haven't. At least we haven't gotten to a point where like they're opening shows with fifteen-minute promos. Yeah, that's just a bad way to open a wrestling show again. Um, so, fingers crossed they stick with the fun opener match that I've just come to love. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, all right, so we're gonna get into it, even though. And even though you hate it, just for the benefit of our can we listeners. Just, can we just listeners. glide through it, please? We'll glide through it. Okay. okay. So uh, it should be noted here, though, that the inner circle show up and the announcers make a point to say everyone's here except for Jake Hager, who's preparing for his big fight. Yep. Because he's an MMA man. Um, MJF shows up, no Wardlow, because Wardlow got defeated and he's 
probably sad backstage somewhere. So we get the format, like you said, uh, there's a podium at the front where wrestlers can come up and ask questions to MJF and uh, Jericho, I guess, if they want to. So Luchasaurus is first. He asks MJF how he can contribute to the earnings potential of the inner circle, which is like, I don't, uh, okay. Um, so MJF has a chart ready and it says nothing on it. I bet Jenny wanted to kill herself when she saw it. Jenny didn't watch it. it. Okay. I well, I had no interest in this. Uh, financially speaking, it's the worst chart I've ever seen. Um, after that, Britt Baker shows up and she, I think her question's legitimate. She asks how Jericho feels about MJF's terrible track record of his friends in AEW. Because if you remember, he screws over pretty much everyone he's ever come in contact with. Um, and Jericho pretty much says like, don't worry if he betrays us, we'll kill him. Peter Avalon quickly asks, can I join the inner circle? Because he needs to shoot his shot. And everyone says, laughs, and then says, no. I did like that. <laughs> yeah, he apparently had a pre prepared question, but then he put his paper down and said, I'm just going to go for it. Although if you only watch Dynamite and never watch Dark, do you even know who Peter Avalon is? I think he was there in the very beginning. Okay. But it's been a while. Maybe it's the last been, it's battle royal. <laughs> Was he in the Battle Royal, though? I don't know. He was. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, as a speaking person, probably you have no idea. Uh, and then, as you said, Eric Bischoff gets to make a cameo. He has a three-prong question just to really piss you off because that's going to take some time. Uh, he quotes JFK and then asks MJF what he can do for the inner circle. MJF says, friendship. And then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, uh, MJF, what can the inner circle do for you? And MJF says, the inner circle can teach him how to be a better team player because he admits he's not very good at it. And then uh, finally he asks MJF about, basically like he calls Jericho a prima donna, says he can be a bit of a prima donna, which pisses Jericho off. But Jericho tells know. on teacher, tells teacher that uh, Eric called him a mean name. Yeah. And this is where Tony's like, shut up. <laughs> he calls him by name. Going. He says, Chris Jericho, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I was like, good for you, Tony. You get him. Um, but Tony elevates everything he's in. He does. Uh, but, I mean, Jericho being a prima donna. Uh, and then, but Bischoff says, you know, MJF, you, you too can be kind of a prima donna. So how do you guarantee that if you join the inner circle, you two aren't going to end up just killing each other? Um, and MJF tries to deflect here. But Jericho says, no, no, no. I want to know how how we're supposed to believe that you're not going to stab us in the back and mjf's like okay well i've done everything i can to get in your good graces i've given you gifts you know i've like all the stuff basically that's happened the last couple weeks he's been a great friend and he goes what haven't i done to convince you and jericho says well you haven't beaten me so We've got an MJF versus Chris Jericho one-on-one -on -one match at full gear. And if MJF gets, if we, he wins, he's going to be allowed to join the inner circle. And MJF at this point says, you know, Chris, I'll do anything to win. And looks very serious. And Chris is like, okay, well, bring it on. So we think everything's settled at this point. But Ortiz 
grabs the mic and goes off again and says, you know what? I hate you all. Uh, MJF, you're not joining the inner circle. I don't care what happens at Full Gear. I don't want you in it. Me and Sammy don't want you in it. So you've got to go. And this little interaction leads to a match getting booked for Sammy and Ortiz versus MJF and Wardlow on next week's show. Yeah, I that that is something that I like that that there are different levels of like being cool with this within the inner circle itself. Yeah, I mean, and that's understandable. And that, and that Santana and Ortiz are not a hive mind. Yeah, Santana during this whole segment just Jericho looked at him and Santana just kind of shrugged like I don't really care what happens here. Yeah, but so like I, think... I said, I, I like the. I liked the back half of this once the once the format pretty much from where Tony yelled at Chris Jericho to shut up that that's when it took off for me. Yeah, because that's when you get into the meat of this whole issue. Are you surprised that they're going to a Jericho MJF singles match so quickly? Yes, um, I did think that this is kind of one of those tainted things where no matter you're screwed. Either way, like damned if you, damned if you don't. Because if you lose MJF, you're not in the inner circle. If you win, you're in the inner circle, but you've already given Jericho something to hate you for. And so I assume you're never going to be pure. Yeah, I assume that's what's going to happen. Like, he's going to get in the inner circle, but then Jericho's just going to be, like, really pissed off, and MJF's going to be really passive, like, you know, oh, yeah. about, like, well, you know, you're the leader of the inner circle, but I beat you, so, you know. Is that what's going to take the inner circle down? I think maybe, because yeah. Because they always talked about how, like, inner circle, we don't have internal fighting. Unlike well, they never do their moves on each other, Jenny. <laughs> right. So, we don't hit like, each other with our finishers. I mean, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe they're, we're coming to the inevitable end of the inner circle. I think we're coming to the inevitable Chris Jericho babyface run. Hmm. That's weird to think of after all this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think if MJF does usurp the inner circle that... Uh, so I assume some of them will have to stick with him. It doesn't seem like Ortiz and Sammy will, but do you think yeah. Big Jake Hager is going to be like, "Sorry, boss, I got a new guy"? That might work out for them, actually. If because if Wardlow's going to go babyface mm-hmm. at some point, then MJF still has like his heater with him. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Switch, switch him right in. Yeah. Okay. So I can see that working. I can get interesting. I'm into it. Oh, Jericho could adopt Wardlow to continue on his tag team <laughs> climbing the ladder. Yeah. That kind of went nowhere, didn't it? Um, I, he proclaimed it and then They had MJF, a couple matches. <laughs> yeah, and then MJF kind of got into his sphere and he's kind of messing up that whole thing by taking the attention away. Yeah. And Hager's got a fight, you know. It... Maybe Hager's maybe Hager's fight came up like kind of short notice, hmm. like That's a Donald possible. Cerrone situation. Yeah. Hey That's Jake, you've got possible. two days. Do you yeah. want to fight? <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully, um, either way, I assume Jericho is going to try to keep that alive, just to go after a belt. But yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at uh, Hager's Pro Fight DB, um, and 
he he had that match. Remember the Jericho and Hager versus Luther and Serpentico disaster? Um, oh yes. So, but do you also remember that that really was basically just a Chris Jericho versus Luther singles match, and Jake Hager barely got involved and never actually tagged in? Yes. I'm guessing that he at that that was the point at which they knew he was he needed to like be in training because he had a fight coming up because he hasn't wrestled a match since then. Um, and and those, so you don't want to get him in the match because then he risks getting hurt. Okay, I just assumed it was like it's Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary and he gets to have a big fun match that he decided on. Yeah. But well that worked too. Yeah. yeah. Work for the storyline but also real life yeah timing works out okay all right well i'm excited to see what happens with the inner circle because um the possibilities do seem kind of interesting and fun and it wasn't gonna last forever mm. but from there we're gonna go to another prominent group team taz Fuck yeah, Team Taz. I got some Team Taz hot takes later. Okay. So Team Taz sh shows up here in a pre-taped video promo. Um, we Well, first of all, we get to see video recap of Will Hobbs on last week's Dark. Uh, apparently he did very well. I don't know. Andy, if, did you see, see his match? Or yeah, he does, just... he does a top rope splash as a finisher, and he needs to cut that shit out because he's going to destroy his knees because he's so big. Um, don't do top rope splashes. I know they look impressive for a big guy to do them, but like you're gonna hurt yourself. Okay. And he's not a young man. No, he seems he seems like a veteran. Yeah. Okay, so Will Hobbs doing things out there, being great, and so Team Taz, they're still kind of waiting for him to respond to their invitation to join Team Taz. Um, they're going after Will Hobbs because. They're not just out for championships. They also love money. And Will Hobbs looks like he's got what it takes to get that money. Mm -hmm. So, Will, are you in or are you out? That's Team Taz's question. And if he's out, I mean, Brian Cage is going to come and kill him. Is basically what was implied. Yes. I don't think Will's going to say yes. That's just my, my assumption. Because Will seems like a nice boy and Team Taz seems like a mean group. Yep. All right. The next match we have is the Orange Cassidy versus Cody match for the TNT Championship second round. And this is the Lumberjack match that Jenny was looking forward to real bad. Uh, Cody gets the win again. So we do not have a new TNT champion. He does the crossroads. But to be fair, John Silver kicked Orange while the ref wasn't looking. And then freaking Arn hit him in the face so orange was all i don't know like out of it yeah uh and then cody did the crossroads and got the win um just doesn't seem legitimate no cody didn't see either bit of interference that's true to his yeah. credit he did not understand what's going on yeah this match was like okay but i i never felt that there was any chance of Orange Cassidy winning, and I think it's because we already know that Darby was challenging for the title of the pay-per-view, and there is, like, a long-term story with Darby and Cody, and there is not any story at all with uh, Darby and Orange. 
Yes. And Darby was there up in the nosebleed section watching this match, yeah. looking pretty unconcerned about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a lumberjack match, so some stuff happened with the lumberjacks in the match, obviously. Um, I liked the spot where Orange kind of fell backwards off the apron and the best friends caught him and then gently put him back up so that he could get back in the ring. Uh, Cody did the same thing, and even though Cody is a purported baby face, the best friends just dropped him onto the ground. (laughs) And then right after that, when Cody got back in the ring, Trent punched him in the face. Yeah, that was, yeah. So... What did Cody do to the best friends? He was fighting their best friend. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sure. Okay. They're standing well, not really up really their boy. best friend. They're... Mascot. They're, they're, what are you, Miro? <laughs> well, no. Trent and Chuck are best friends. Uh-huh. And Orange Cassidy is their friend. Okay. He's on an He's... awful lot of best friends merch to not be one of the best friends. Only recently, and it's still like, <laughs> sidekick. He's in the mix. They they did get the best friends hug in on the outside. Nice. At one point, yeah. Um, also, to Orange's credit, at one point, so like, Cody gets no consideration from the Lumberjacks because he's, you know... Everybody hates him, apparently. And so he goes over onto the heel side, and the Dark Order start beating him up um, as the Lumberjacks, and Orange jumps into the mix and tries to save him, which was really nice, because he didn't have to do that. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, It did not result in uh, really helping him that much, because it just gave everyone an excuse to gather together in a crowd so that Orange and Cody could flip. I think Cody was the one who, like, hiked Orange up and did, like, the backdrop into the crowd. It was cool, but, you know, Orange is a good boy. Cody's mean, and that's where we kind of are with this. Mm-hmm. And Cody's mean and has a championship. I think we can kind of close the book on this feud now. Yeah. Orange can go back to trying to peel the AEW televisions off the wall. Well, no, like, we, we got Orange's direction. Uh, he's going to wrestle John Silver on the buy-in for full gear. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> Muscle pervert. Or a TV. <laughs> yeah, somebody give him a TV. We're uh, trying to get a TV. It's, it's hard. There's a lot to demand for it. In a pandemic, yeah. people want those TVs. Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck, Orange. They're not as cheap as you want them to be. Well, I think that was pre-pandemic, too. (laughs) But speaking of technology, and also you brought up Miro, after this match, we go backstage where Alex Marvez is interviewing, well, he's trying to interview the best friends, but he's Alex Marvez, so he doesn't get any words out before he has to run, uh, and Kip and Miro show up. They say they feel really bad. And that they've forgiven the best friends for killing Alan, their video game console. Um, Penelope shows up. She is dressed as Orange Cassidy, and she is here to deliver a Halloween present that it was Kip a and good, Miro. It was a good Orange Cassidy outfit. I know it's not a hard costume, but she had good mannerisms, too. She did, she did a good, like, orange thumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looked properly empathetic. Uh, but she does hand over this gift, this Halloween present that Kip and Mira have gotten from the best friends. And Penelope says trick-or-treat and then kip and miro immediately attack the best friends 
because Miro explains they will never forgive them for what they've done. And they just throw them around in this dressing room area that was like they were going into on when, you know, Marvez caught them. And then uh, after they've properly dispatched the best friends, Kip opens the present for them and says Alan lives on because he's got a fresh new version of it ready to be put onto a new um, gaming thing. Miro's uh, hurl of Trent into the wall of the locker room was truly terrifying. <laughs> that looked so, like, legitimately painful. Yeah, that was that was rough to look at. Um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Trent and Miro are uh, going to have a singles match, Miro's first singles match in AEW on Dynamite this coming week. Exciting. I'm guessing in uh, preparation for a tag match between the two teams that will end up on the pay-per-view. Hmm. Yes. Okay. It's going to go, they got to make that pay-per-view go like at least four hours, you know? <laughs> Indeed. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully Trent isn't destroyed after that wall hit. But after this, we go to the ladies match and this should be a fun one. Because it is Layla Hirsch, who we talked about briefly at the top of the show, versus Serena Deeb, who is now the NWA Women's World Champion. And this is wild, by the way. Yeah, I want to I, I want to tell you guys about this story. So Serena Deeb won the NWA Women's Title from Thunder Rosa on a live pay per view on Wednesday or on Tuesday, October twenty seventh. Why were they doing a pay per view? <clears throat> A paying pay-per-view. Pay. That's their time slot. They do a weekly live pay-per-view. On Tuesday? Yes. I'm sure millions of people are buying them. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so she won the title from Thunder Rosa. Uh, apparently, and this is according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, there is interest in both AEW and WWE in Thunder Rosa, but she has a significant period of time left on her NWA deal. Um, Billy Corgan commented, said it was into 2021. Um so this decision was made because Serena Deeb is on because NWA like Corgan's arm of the NWA they're not really running anything. Um, he's just licensing the titles to be defended on these this because it's actually UWN is the group hmm. that runs the pay per views. Billy Corgan's not promoting anything right now. He's just letting his champions wrestle on those shows. So the idea is with Serena Deeb under AEW contract, if you put the title on her then that's like good promotion for your brand. Oh, and Thunder Rosa didn't have uh, an AEW contract because she's under. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so, so Rosa is still expected to work future AEW dates being booked through Corgan and the NWA. Um, but anyway, so like the really crazy thing about this is <laughs> this Dynamite was not live. This Dynamite was taped Last Thursday. Mm. Oh. Five... That's why it still had her face on it. That's why it still had Thunder Rosa's face on it. Not because she just hopped on a plane. Yeah. But because it hadn't actually transferred. So what they told us was that she won the title the night before, immediately went to the airport, and flew to Jacksonville. But what actually happened was, she came out with a title that she hadn't yet won <laughs> last Thursday at this taping, wrestled, defended the title against Layla Hirsch, and then, four days later... Won the title. W won the title. <laughs> that wow. guy who goes to every Florida show, the bald guy, 
You know he was on the boards putting up spoilers. Are you talking about Kip Sabian Kiss Guy? Yes. Okay, yeah. Jason told me that he saw him in the audience uh, last week, but I, I did not catch him. He's been in the audience for every single show they've shown the audience. Okay, I have never... I guess maybe in the COVID era, is he? Hopefully, he's wearing a mask. So maybe that's yeah, he's always wearing a mask, and I, I, we're not. Just to make it clear to listeners, like I don't know this man, but he is a bald, super tall man who was in the audience front row for pretty much every NXT show I've ever watched, and now every AEW show it seems. Is he the one who screamed at one of the wrestlers, and then the wrestler like gave him a kiss, and then he was like. No. Kip no Sabian? Yep. Yes, that's why we call him Kip Sabian Kiss Guy. Oh, yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. He is exactly so, that man. Yeah. But he goes to everything, so I know he's out there spoiling this this news. That's so wild, though. Like, ooh, that seems risky. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of cool. Like, it's one of those, like, things that can only happen in pro wrestling. Yeah. Wow. And so, okay, maybe I didn't understand correctly, but Thunder Rosa is leaving NWA, but she's also under NWA contract into 2021. She's not she's not leaving NWA yet. She's just she just lost the title because they thought they could do more with to, to promote it with Serena Deeb holding the title. Oh, uh, okay, but but she might leave next year when her contract's up because there is interest in her from both WWE and AEW as far as like having her full time. Okay, I thought that she had signed somewhere else at this point, but you're okay. When we were texting about this, I clearly misinterpreted. I thought she had signed with WWE, but obviously she can't do that mm-hmm. until next year. So she's just basically making it clear that she's on her way out and is working her dates. Yeah, I guess so. She's also apparently like she does mixed martial arts too, so she's like, like maybe in fight camp. So that may be another reason they took the title off of her, so so she could focus on training for the fight. Yeah, she talked about that on Jericho's episode how she really liked doing like shoot fights and was going to continue doing them. Hmm. So, interesting. Well. Serena Deeb in AEW, she is elite, as we've learned, has the NWA World Women's Championship. So does that mean she's going to be going to NWA fairly often? Maybe. Um, I don't know where she lives, but they do those shows in Los Angeles. So if she's like a West Coast person who, like, that would kind of make sense for her, you know. Okay. Well, that should be fun. Good for her, too, because I'm glad she signed to AEW, and I think she's super, super talented. And I wondered if they were ever going to give her a shot at the belt. Um, but in AEW, she doesn't really have the record to, I don't know, legitimately challenge just yet. But I'm glad she's got something. Yeah, I was kind of hoping to see a Sheeta-Serena D match for our upcoming pay-per-view instead of a... Sheeta, Nyla Rose for the third time, fourth mm-hmm. time. Yeah, third time see, at least. I have no. Here's my question, and, and we will eventually get to the actual match. But 
Why is the NWA World Women's Championship better booked than the AEW World's Women's right? Championship? Are you? Yes. Seriously. Oh, my God. I hated. I watched this match and I loved it so much. And I thought, this is better than any AEW World, like it, Women's World Championship match I've seen thus far. And that's not great, right? So was the Thunder Rosa Serena D match. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. one that was on Dynamite? Yeah. yeah. The one for the NWA right. championship as well. Yeah, I, I it's frustrating. I, I don't know if it's like, does Tony Khan just not really give a shit about women's wrestling? Is that like... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the... I, we were actually... And I don't want to bring the listeners down, but like... <laughs> I'm worried about where this is going. Watching Dynamite today, Andy was just like... I'm sorry you don't like Dynamite anymore. And it's true. I don't really like Dynamite anymore. Like, I really liked last week's episode. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time I liked a Dynamite episode in months. Right. And it's, I, I don't, I think I feel a little disillusioned with the company. Like, I think how they are positioning the women's division these last 10 months has been really poor and it's making me lose some faith in them. Like, I, I, I don't understand why it's, I don't understand why there's no effort being put in. Yeah. And it's just, it's really frustrating. Like I, I've just been really frustrated with all of the storylines and with what they're doing from a women's division. And like, I had a lot, I think I put, I think I put AEW on a pedestal at the beginning and I was so pumped because I had really loved BTE and the Bucks and Kenny and Adam like leading up to it. And I was so excited and it was run by like a young guy mm -hmm. and I thought, okay, they're going to do some great stuff. And I just, I haven't been feeling it the last 10 months. I think it's a case and I've always thought of it this way of, um, it's a company run by guys and that's not inherently bad before all you not all men hashtag whatever like don't come at me but it's my favorite I just, hashtag <laughs> it was a really big success <sighs> I'm just saying like like this <laughs> as you've joked before Jenny this is Tony Khan getting to play with his toys yes all his wrestlers that he loved growing up or whatever but I and I get it boys don't play with the girl wrestler figures or whatever so maybe Tony Khan oh, doesn't have thought of something Megan back in that day there were not women's wrestling toys right yeah, yeah. so he doesn't know uh, how to create matches yeah. for women's wrestling toys well, yeah and what, if it was, what if it was just as simple as that yeah well but it <laughs> might be it might be because this speaks to why representation is important because what are we going to, what is wrestling going to look like, you know, 10 to 20 years from now when the people who grew up, grew up with it in this generation, some of them might have the same powers of like Tony Khan. I'm, that might be a stretch, but you know, like some of them might have the power to influence storylines and things, become writers on WWE, whatever, what have you. It's what you see that sticks with you that's important and that molds like what you put out into the world later. And I'm not saying that it's Tony Khan's fault that 
you know, patriarchy and what, whatever. But it does speak to, this is a company run by men who can all relate better to men's storylines. That's totally fair and are more concerned with men's storylines. Again, totally fair because they are in them. It's just like we have one women's match on this show and I feel like in the beginning, maybe I'm misremembering, but there were more than one women's match per show and they were all, I mean, they weren't all great, but like the quality was decent enough. Like they were, they were putting these women out there. They were giving them a shot on television. And now it's like the division is crumbling. It feels like, mm-hmm. um, when Chris Statlander got hurt and left, she was always really good. And then Nyla got hurt for a while. And you've got Penelope who has the talent, but you know, who is she She's gonna fight? Supporting her boyfriend. Yeah. Like Yeah, and it's like I just feel like like you said, there's not enough effort being put into it and um I guess I can totally see like like if I ran an all women's company and didn't really care about men's matches that much, like I guess I could see how I would just overlook them. Um Yeah, but, but he's not running an all men's company. <laughs> well that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But that's the viewpoint. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like we're running a men's company and also we know that we know that we have to throw some women in because we have to. It would feel um, less bad if he was running an all men's company. Oh well, yeah. Because at least then it would there would be a reason for it. But like it's it's like it's worse that it's like the the men get all the focus and then there's like like one half assed women segment every week. Yeah, it feels like we're a taco joint and we put <laughs> like a pizza on the menu to appease people that don't like tacos. But the pizza is one of those, like, $3 frozen pizzas that you get that's, like, an off-brand at you the get grocery the store. Because yeah. who, who's ordering, you know? Like, yeah. that only comes up once in every uh, two weeks. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, I don't, I still like Dynamite because I do like the men's stuff. But it, it does make me feel worse about expecting maybe i expected the moon from this company and it's just not gonna deliver that um i I feel i i think that's part of my issue of like i think i had such high expectations for them that there was no way they're gonna live up to the level of my expectations but it does feel like they've fallen short on so many different things and here's like the salt in the wound to me is all the advertisements for heels which actually um, if you've listened to Leva Bates' episode of Unrestricted, <laughs> I always have to think. We'll never get it down. <laughs> I keep we'll always to think say, it's another unword. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to her episode, though, like, they ask her about heels, and she, like, gives more information than I've ever heard uh, or seen it written down about what you get. Like, she was talking about how oh yeah, we have like Zoom parties and since it's Halloween, we're going to have a Halloween party and we're going to do like games and and stuff with the community. And it actually did sound pretty cool and like they're actively engaged with people who are signed up, which is awesome. It's just like, who the hell knows what that is? Because like, that's not listed on their their features or whatever. Like, I don't know what I get for $49. This is the women's thing. And again, it gets the same treatment that women on the show get where it's just like yeah we've got this thing but like who cares to mention it too much um you know tony and jr will do an ad read for it but they don't really tell you anything about it no maybe megan here's here's what i think we should do 
for our Elite Beat Christmas present. Let's get a Heels membership and see if we can get more actively engaged. Okay. I mean, I would love to dig in. It, based on what Leva Bates said, it sounds like an active community where it is kind of cool and fun. But who would know from the outside? Right. Yeah, right. it's been... Let's, I let's see if we can find Move in the room in the podcast budget. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, it's a make... write-off. This is the business. <laughs> then we make zero dollars on... Um, but no, like, maybe, maybe we just... Maybe that's what's going to get me more engaged. Yeah, I would love to do an episode where we just break down, like, after a month of heels or, you know, give it a fair timeline shot yeah. and, and give our opinions. But, like, I would love for somebody else to have done that already or for them to have done it already. But Well, you guys can, maybe you guys can, like, you know, maybe that's what will cause this podcast to really cross over. <laughs> it's like heels <laughs> coverage. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, we will give you... The people what statistically based on dynamite you don't want <laughs> i um i so obviously they covid dealt everyone a bad hand but like maybe no one more than the AEW women's division because it was so heavily invested in foreign talent that but lives I'm... foreign but hold oh, on uh but don't you can't just punt on the entire division for six seven eight months now because that happened. You've got to, you've got to try other stuff. And, yeah. and it's like, and there'll be like a germ of something here and there. Like, like something will happen, like Abaddon will show up and like, oh, she's different, you know? And then Abaddon just like, and, and forget that she got hurt last week. She, she just vanished for months after, after her, like, after and she was signed. Where was Abaddon on the weekly spooky season dynamite? Like yeah, what better avenue for Abaddon to well, be on she dynamite? Might've, she might've been planned to be on that show but she was injured in the dark taping well spooky season is a whole month well yeah she should have shown up october 1st and been like that's another thing i'm disappointed in like nxt kicked AEW's ass on halloween this year yeah Um, there were no cost i mean yeah yeah penelope did orange cassidy but what i said from the beginning and you guys go back you will hear it on our podcast i said that they were too heavily reliant upon the japanese stars and that they needed to branch out to get a more well-rounded division. And if they had, one, worked on that prior to COVID, understand, no one knows a pandemic is coming, obviously. But, like, they should have had a more well-rounded group of women to begin with. But then COVID happened over nine months ago. Like, what have you been doing? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, they kind of just a, forgot it, it existed. It's a bummer. It's it's a real bummer. It, it feels like WWE pre like 2014, where they would just mm-hmm. be like, oh, "Okay, well, here's our women's segment of the week." And they don't even yeah. have Nikki Bella. <laughs> like at least you know pre 2014 had the Bellas. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <sighs> we I guess we could only just keep hoping that things get better in that in that regard. But, I, but what I worry about is they're not even trying. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Ooh. And also, can I just say, like, I'm I'm glad for like Penelope and Anna J because they're getting TV time, but they're sucking up all the talented women and then putting them with dudes. Mm-hmm. And they don't and get not to wrestle. Letting, and not showcasing them as their wrestling talent. I'm yeah. fine with them pairing them with dudes. I, I'm totally fine with that. But let the dude be the valet, not the woman. Yeah. 
Well, they were, I, they were doing that for a little while with Penelope and Kip. Yeah. And then, and then Miro, Miro came in. <laughs> yeah. I And uh, definitely not to say that, like, like I really like Penelope and I really liked Anna Jay. And I even like her now because I think it's great that she gets to, like, wrangle the Dark Order boys and keep them in line. But she's not wrestling. And that's yeah. kind of what you're here to do, right? Theoretically, yeah. Yeah. And the bunny, you know? She's yeah, not what wrestling. the fuck did they do with the bunny? <laughs> I'm so pissed about that. Like, okay. I'm gonna... <laughs> it's, it, it's disappointing. And uh, I don't know if that's, like, backstage turmoil because I know at some point it was, like, who runs it? Brandy? Kenny? Are they fighting? Are they not fighting? But, yeah. like, figure it out and help your workers. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, with that fun negative buildup, I will say that this Layla Hirsch versus Serena Deep match was awesome, and I loved it so much, and I felt like it gave me a glimpse of what could be. It, it was a women's technical wrestling match, and I, it was great. Um, Serena Deeb does win, gets to keep her NWA World Women's Championship, but what a match. She made Layla Hirsch tap out to an intense submission that I don't know what the name of it was, but... Say, uh, Man, it was intense. What do you call that? Conan used to do, that used to be Conan's finisher in uh, WCW. He called it the Tequila Sunrise. I don't know what the technical name of the hold is. Okay, well, Serena Deeb did it, um, but these two worked so well together. And like Layla Hirsch, uh, she's like, and this is uh, well, I don't want to. It's hard to make comparisons without like implications, but. I just thought of, like, this is the Chad Gable of ladies. Like, she's an amateur yes. wrestler mm. who is killing it in pro wrestling. So here's my here's my take on this. Like, my this is my big idea this week for Layla Hirsch. Taz needs to stop trying to recruit Will Hobbs. It's not going to happen. He doesn't want to be on Team Taz. He needs to shift focus and get legit Layla Hirsch as part of Team Taz. She's... She's built like Taz was when he was in his prime. She does a bunch of fucking suplexes like Taz did when he was in his prime. Uh, she wears like shoot amateur shooter boots like Taz wore in his prime. She even does in the Sheeta match on Dark. She did some like judo positioning stuff like Taz did in his prime. She's basically a lady Taz, like comes straight out of 1997. And if they can't see that, they're crazy. And I really think that it would be cool for a for like Team Taz to have a woman. But B, like, I think she'd be a really good fit as, like, an ass-kicking heel for that group. They could give her the fake title. Sure, yeah. She oh. should fight Brian Cage. <laughs> yes. yes. No, but Megan, what do you think? Like, I'm guessing you, I mean, what do you think? Layla Hirsch was part of Team Taz. I think if Layla Hirsch was a dude, it would already be done. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you're right. Let, I'll, I'll take it, because that will get her on TV. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only thing I don't love is the legit part because that's Sasha's she's the legit boss so it's she's got a lot of like legit stuff all over her mm -hmm. so I think she might need a new nickname okay maybe yeah that's my one criticism of Layla Hirsch great fair that's something easily fixed though yeah that that's an easy fix oh, I would this... also say I love Serena Deeb I I have enjoyed all of her matches to date. Her promo was a bit weak. 
Yeah. When she came out. So, like, just maybe bring a bit more, like, energy to the promo. And, I mean, as much as I love Sheeta, guys, do you think, like, with, and, and maybe this is just me, but I have loved every one of Serena Deeb's matches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you give the title to Serena Deeb? Do you think maybe Sheeta is a better character pushing to get the title than to actually hold the title? Maybe. I am I am a little bit worried that Nyla Rose is going to win the championship at the pay-per-view. Me too. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, could, I, I think that's maybe a direct... Well, you know, that would... You could do that where they do another like champion versus champion match like they did with Thunder yeah. Rosa and Sheeta and and then like and you have Serena Deeb as the double champion. Yeah. For a while. But like you said, I bet you're right. I bet Nyla is going to get the title. I think I think I'm probably still gonna pick Sheeta in my official predictions, but I would not be shocked. Yeah, because yeah, it feels like if Nyla loses again, it's just I don't know. Not great for her. <laughs> You know? Yeah. I just don't get the point of uh, of another match between... Like, it's just... Because they have no other ideas. I, oh, that's what's so yeah. frustrating. Well, they don't have any other women to put up. Well, Serena Deeb. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, Well, she doesn't have the record for it. She's not a contender. But that doesn't matter in this... Com- like, it shouldn't matter. Like, they shouldn't let that stop them. Then they should do a gauntlet match and have Serena Deeb win it so that they have a storyline for it, like they do for the men. That would be more effort than they put into anything for anything women. for women lately. Yeah. Let me let me just look at these rankings real quick for the women. Um, okay, so you get Nyla Rose as number one contender, Penelope Ford as number two contender. Penelope's never had a pay per view title shot. Like she's somebody who you could like have given like a big win on TV and then. Have mm-hmm. her challenge for the title. Abaddon got hurt. Um, Big Swole. Uh, Big, Swole Big Swole had a title shot recently. She did. And I, I like Big Swole, but she's not ready yet. Yeah. And then Britt Baker is number six or number five. I, I actually thought they were kind of gearing up to give Britt Baker a title shot. I think I think Sheeta versus Britt is something that makes sense as a pay-per-view match at some point. I, I kind of thought that that was what was going to happen here in November. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they can do it in February. Maybe maybe that's when Britt takes the title. But I think Britt would be good with the belt right now because her promos are good and her and her work has looked good since she's been back. And with the women's division as it is, she doesn't really have to defend it once she gets it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> good point, Megan. Sad she'll be, point. She'll, she'll be called into action on Dark frequently. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Well, you kind of touched on it, but um, Nyla. So Serena Deeb wins. Um, Nyla, in a backstage interview, we learn, um, has refused to wrestle until she gets a title match. So Alex Marvez is talking to Hikaru Shida, and that's where we find this out. And Shida says, "Like I'm ready, book it for full gear." And so that's what's happening. Full gear. Yay. Um, <laughs> What it's a good storyline. <laughs> what a short non-build-up that was, but it's okay. They're ladies. <laughs> she'd, have, she'd have better not lose the title after that, because it's just like... Ladies are known for not needing build-up for anything. Uh, 
You know, they love to cheat. They're very temperamental oh. and don't talk about their weight because people get mad. Went right over Megan's head. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Went that over was... your head too at the beginning. Yeah, it did. It took me a second. That was a good one. It's a joke about orgasms. <laughs> yes. It's so weird that it came from Jenny. I know, right? Maybe that's why it took me a second. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I never am listening for like <laughs> double entendres from Jenny. <laughs> My face is bright red. <laughs> See, we're we're on board for your joke, and you're embarrassed. <laughs> you got this. Way to make an orgasm joke. All right. Well, let's not make Jenny more uncomfortable. We'll move on to the next match, which is Sean Spears versus a man named SVK. But it really VSK. doesn't matter. VSK. But again, oh, yes, right. like you were saying, it doesn't matter. <laughs> totally doesn't matter. Sean Spears rolls out, does a C4. VSK, dead. Um, after the match, someone who is dressed in a costume um, as a bull starts throwing candy at Sean Spears. This enrages him. I mean, I would be happy. It's like, cool, I won a match and now I get candy. Huzzah! But Spears is mad. And so he jumps out of the ring, drags this man dressed as a bull into the ring. This minotaur. Minotaur. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's more threatening. That's better. A minotaur into the ring. And uh, he gets him in the ring and then he turns to Tully and is like, what's this guy? And while he's doing that, the man takes off the mask and it is a Scorpio. Not in his black skinny jeans, but in black sweatpants. I was gonna say, are you getting picky? They're black, they're tight, and he they looks better. Them. They looked better than his like tights. His tights are just so gaudy and like kind of <laughs> dorky. Yeah, um, they're wrestler tights. Well, yeah, but like he's like more than a wrestler, Megan. Okay. It's also, he's also a motion capture artist. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. You listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we did. We talked. We texted about it. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Um, I have to say, can you tell Jenny the Cody anecdote from that podcast? Not the not the financial one, but the one about like when Squirt when Squirt met him like backstage at doing extra work for WWE. Oh my God! Yes. So <laughs> so funny. So Scorpio was doing as Andy said extra work backstage for WWE, and um, Cody walks by and i don't think he was trying to be like hot shit or anything but you know he's cody and he had like a bag of gummy worms and he just looked at scorpio and whoever was there and said like i got my dad's jeans and so he would eat gummy worms like he would put them in his mouth and like kind of chew on them a little and then spit them out and scorpio's like that's not helping <laughs> you're still just getting sugar <laughs> But that was Cody at WWE doing his damn thing. <laughs> I really like that story. That's hilarious. <laughs> it reminds oh. me of Jules on Cougar Town where she's like, I just suck on chocolate and then That's... spit it out. I, I was going to make the same joke, Megan. <laughs> but she like would only suck on it for like three, three seconds. seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're chewing into gummy, you're getting more sugar than just sucking on a piece of candy for three seconds. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like there's the potential with gummy worms to like just... You probably could just suck everything out and leave an empty husk. So. <laughs> but they're covered in sugar, too. It's not just like they are sugar. They've got that, like, sugar. No, well, that's I, Sour Patch Kids. That, you're covered. right. Sorry. I was thinking of a different gummy worms. But, yeah, he had just, he's still getting some. It's not like chewing on them doesn't do anything. But that's – I love that Cody is like, look, 
I'm destined to get fat. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, I guess he's he's doing a good job fighting against it. For, yeah, he, like, you know, he's life. all muscle now. Yeah, he you can see so all of lean. his abs. <laughs> he's yeah. like really lean. It, it's It's impressive. Yeah, good for him. I mean, he drinks a lot of Pinot, so I don't know how he does it because... I too drink wine, but well, I haven't seen we... an ab since I was ever. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to guess. Ever. It's okay, Megan. They're there. <laughs> I know. They're under all that that gushy fat. Protection. Um, Megan, That's my I would... winter protection. <laughs> I would guess that with uh, this recent turn, he has not been drinking alcohol. You know regularly. what? Like, it's oh, just yeah, not probably. worth it, man. It's not worth it. Maybe he drinks skinny girl margaritas. Oh, I hope Those so. Those still, I think, have a lot. Like, they're delicious and I love them, but they still, like, if you have a few, like, you can taste the sugar that's left in your mouth. Yeah. You know what? The convenient thing is they don't put ingredients or nutritional information on the bottle. <laughs> True. So, so you don't have to worry because what you don't know can't hurt you. And they tell you the calories by one ounce. So, like, you're clearly not just drinking one ounce of that thing. Nope. Ugh. Well, I'm gonna start chewing on gummy worms and then just spinning them out and be like, "This is how I get my sugar for the week." That's so gross. <laughs> well, Jenny, uh, it was just plugging Colt's podcast, but his episode with Scorpio was delightful. Scorpio is a gem of a human being. So wonderful. So happy. Mm, I love him. Yeah, totally seconded. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't in his black skinny jeans, but he did pop that minotaur mask off and reveal himself. And he looked so like satisfied with himself. He was like, I got this idiot. And he did because he did a TKO and Sean Spears was like upset about it. But they're going to have, they're finally going to have their match next week on Dynamite. They are. And I'm going to be just appalled if Scorpio doesn't destroy this man. I think Scorpio's got to win that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. All right. With that, we come to the main event. It is Penta El Zero Miedo versus Kenny Omega. And uh, it should have been Ray Phoenix. I wonder who's going to win this match. Look, it should have been Ray <laughs> Phoenix. The person who was already eliminated from the bracket. Well, it should have given him extra motivation to, to not lose two weeks in a row. That's, That's what I was so frustrated about this like entire show i felt like all except for um all yeah like every we match. knew every yeah. single match it's like okay well that's gonna that person's gonna win like all right it was like watching an episode of dark with bigger stars yeah <laughs> it's true um i mean i wasn't upset by the tournament knowing that because i do like that ultimately it leads to kenny and adam fighting but you're right it's not a surprise. Kenny Omega gets the win here. He does his one-winged angel, and nobody kicks out of that, including Penta. So, You know why I didn't care uh, that I knew who was going to win this match? Why? Because it fucking ruled. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was I thought this was every bit as good as their match they had it all in. You called this a four-star match. Yeah. I would say easily four stars. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, five. Five is the uh, you know the uh, the upper limit, unless you're Kenny Omega uh, or Kazuchika Okada, then you can yeah. break. You can f- frequently break that plane. 
like Kenny Omega has done seven times. <laughs> Did you hear all his laurels when they were introducing him? Guys, he has a friend in North Carolina. What is it about North Carolina? Okay, so it's apparently, I didn't know this the first week, and then I, 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 I thought I kind of figured it out the second week, and then I heard somebody on the podcast say it. So I'm pretty sure that it's just like a reference to Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan's from uh, North Carolina. And in the, in the glory days of that like Bulls team that won six championships in, in eight years, um, like they would do these really over-the-top introductions for the team as they came out on the court. And, and so it oh. was Michael Jordan being like, you know, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time would get this really, you know, Kenny Omega-esque uh, entrance. Would it, but in it would reference North Carolina in it? Well, I mean, they'd say that's his hometown. Oh, yeah. okay. From, you know, wherever. Winston-Salem, North Carolina! You know. As yeah. the Alan Parsons Project plays. Well, Kenny Omega, he got, he got that sort of entrance again. And I guess he earned it. Um, this match was amazing. One of my favorite parts was right at the beginning, when Kenny was wearing his shirt, and he was being a real dick, and then he like, he did like a, he lifted up his shirt to reveal that he had the triple A mega championship on, belt a, on him. What a fucking dick. I know, I loved it. It would have been a better burn if he had gotten to wrestle Phoenix, but it was still pretty good that Phoenix was at ringside. Yeah, Phoenix was watching, and I mean, obviously Penta's there for his brother, but Kenny was like, oh, check it out what I'm wearing, and then he laid it down on the, the ring and kind of like... I don't know, just teased him. I loved it. Kenny was such a dick. I legit forgot that he still had that championship. Me too. Yeah, I honestly, I remember it was a big deal when he won it, but I would have believed he lost it at this, you know, like it's a different company's championship. Has, I don't think AAA has run much since then. I was going to ask if they've run at all. I think they've run some, but I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But did Kenny go down, you know? No, yeah, he hasn't been down. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, he's supposed to be defending it this month at their big annual show, Triple Mania, but a lot mm. of people are not quite sure that that show is even going to happen. Yeah, with other countries Oof. going into yeah. lockdown. Yeah, so that was our, our show, but that match, um, that was really fun. They're very good at it. <laughs> yeah, they're good opponents. Yeah. For I sure. thought... When Penta did the the pile driver, that Kenny um, definitely died. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> you know he doesn't protect with that pile driver. It so, really looked like Kenny's head hit the mat. And they did the, they did the uh, the Canadian destroyer spot like outside the ring on the ramp. Mm -hmm. I thought that looked really brutal. My here's my one complaint about this match. It's that they did the awesome uh, Pentagon like Lucha Underground armbreaker spot and. The announcers start talking about, oh, that's going to make it difficult for Kenny to hit the one-winged angel since that's the arm he uses to pull the head down or whatever. And I was like, oh, cool. He's going to have to win with another move. And then like two minutes later, he just won with the one-winged angel. <laughs> it's Kenny called powering through. Yeah. 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 He tried it one time and kind of sold like, oh, I can't get it. And then, then the next time he just got it. He's the cleaner. He's got cleaner energy. He's big cleaner energy. Yep. Shout out to Kiko. Yep. He's a permanent... And his entrance now. Yeah, although you think that they need to choreograph a better dance, right? Yeah, I think Kiko's capable of a more interesting dance. I feel like Kenny choreographed that dance, and why <laughs> would you not let the dancers choreograph the dance? Yep. 
It did seem very basic, like, I've seen people on television do a little like this and this and sway a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. You could, like, you could do a, a cool dance routine built around a broom, right? Yeah, like, easily. As a prop, yeah. Easily. She's a professional, I mean, cheerleader, which I would assume she has some sort of professional dance background, yeah. too. Like, I think she's capable of choreographing something more interesting. But it's a, these men won't let women... Do their damn thing. Is, you don't even know if this is true, and you're just <laughs> going with it. Honestly, we're reading the room. Okay. <laughs> so I okay. So I'm so I I I like Dynamite this week. I thought it was a really good show. Um, there were things I didn't like about it, but overall, like especially with that main event, there's no way I can you know say anything. But I thought it was a really good episode. I agree. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Do we have any other uh, news to get into? That might actually... We might have kind of covered it all throughout the show and, and beforehand. So uh, let's just talk about ratings real quick. Uh, there's actually something to talk about with the ratings because uh, this is from uh, The Observer. NXT's Halloween Havoc theme was a huge success, including being the most watched non-news show on cable in males 12 to 34. It beat AEW in total viewers and beat SmackDown in the 18 to 49 demo and nearly beat SmackDown overall. Whoa. And SmackDown had no wrestling competition. What? Um, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> AEW show uh, did 781,000 viewers and a .32 in 18 to 49. It was number 12 overall for the night, but number two uh, among non-news shows, barely behind uh, Lifetime's Married at First Sight, which Hell also yeah. did a point three two. Let's see, Halloween Havoc did eight hundred seventy six thousand total viewers. So, the Halloween Havoc thing was a big draw for, I guess, nostalgia people because yeah. it was an old WCW concept. Oh, and even even if it like I get that it was it's a Halloween a, theme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, did and they all wear costumes? There was a lot of costumes. That you know what, Megan, you might want to like you might want to watch that episode. It was pretty fun. Okay. Well, yeah. I was. I was very disappointed that only the wrestlers in the crowd area of AEW, and not all of them, just some of them had costumes. Like, where is the cosplay from these big nerds? No, NXT killed it as far as like Halloween stuff went this year. So okay, I and might... I'm assuming I'm assuming with that success, they'll probably do one every year. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, last year, like, no one dressed up in AEW either, except for Kenny and that. Uh best friends match yeah well yeah but that was a promotion right like that, I don't even count that they learned like match. five minutes before you've got to wear this wig and this coat yeah. yeah maybe they just thought since like their taping schedule made that be a tape made this be a tape show they thought like we but don't want to there's hardly anyone in the audience <laughs> yeah i know i know i was disappointed yeah it was disappointing yeah another disappointment aew <laughs> uh oh no i do have one news item that's really weird so um Cody on uh, October 30th, which was, I guess that would be third, no, Friday, he put out a tweet that said, I'm thrilled to welcome this father-son true tag team to our mix. Billy is an absolute legend and a world-class professional, both on camera and BTS. Welcome Gun Club, hashtag do the work. And there's a graphic of the Gun Club that says Gun Club joins and then there's like Cody's stupid nightmare family tattoo. (laughs) What? Like, like logo. So the Gun Club is now part of the Nightmare Family. What are you? What? <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, let me loop that back into the relevant stuff that happened this week on the show. Is 
after the lumberjack match, everybody jumped into the ring and started freaking out, and the gun club cleared out the Dark Order for Cody to, like, help him. And they're doing a six-man tag next week with, with those two and Cody as a, as, a, as a trio against the least likely um, trio of darksmen, Dark Ordersmen I've ever seen. I believe it's Preston Vance, uh, Colt Cabana, and John Silver. Yeah, it's like, huh. did you just, like, reach into the pot and <laughs> this is what you came up with? I feel like Brody Lee hasn't been around in a long time. Um, well, he said he lost the belt. I guess so. Listen then, to his un... Just... Un, I, do, I, do, I do need to listen to that. I'm really unrestricted. Listen to the AEW official podcast <laughs> episode with Brody Lee. You should maybe think about rebranding. Um... <laughs> Here's something I did. So this, so Cage Side Seats has like an article about these tweets. And here's something I didn't know. Billy and Austin are 9-0 and as a tag team in AEW. What? <laughs> what? Yes. Presumably all on dark. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then, okay, so then, so that oh was Oh my ads. God, they're ahead of Jericho and Hager. Oh yeah, yeah. So at 12.15, he made the Gun Club tweet. Then at 12.56... Sky is the limit for this 22-year-old prospect. He's put in the time and effort at the uh, Nightmare Factory training. He's ready to take the next step in his career, a winning step. He, he will have all the tools at his behest now. Welcome Lee Johnson, hashtag do the work. And then there's a Lee Johnson has joined Nightmare Family uh, graphic. Hmm. Honestly, good for him. That's a step up from MJF's like campaign worker. I guess so. So here is, here's the Nightmare Family now, which just, Weirdly expanded this week. Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, Shoddy Lee Johnson, and Coach Arn Anderson. Getting really loose with that word family, huh? Yeah. The, it's it's interesting. Um, the best friends in Orange Cassidy all immediately tried to claim uh, Sean Dean, the captain, as as. Uh, a new member for their stable in, in retaliation, but uh, no no word yet if Sean Dean has, uh, has uh, agreed. Oh, yeah, they did shout-outs to him. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> they love Sean Dean. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't either. It's hard to keep all this together, but... Um, look, I don't mean this offensively. <laughs> but, like, what is the Nightmare Family doing? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess maybe it's just it's time to it's time to like put gun club on tv as a tv act and it's time for lee johnson to get his first push and no i i meant that more of like kayfabe no the brand nightmare family like (laughs) i just feel like maybe it's not top tier i mean current time (laughs) if you're gonna put it on your neck you should sure as hell make a push for it like the dark order i think are more important to AEW at this point than the Nightmare Family. Um, yeah, I mean, as like, a whole, yeah, at, like as a whole, I'd say Cody is more important than any one member of the Nightmare of the right. of Dark Order. But as a as a collective, you're right, right, as a collective, yeah, yeah. It is interesting though because we it, it's like AEW is kind of moving towards this thing that reminds me of New Japan, where you have these like Six. large factions. Like his like with Dark Order and you got Nightmare Family and um Inner you got Circle. Eddie, Inner Circle and you got Eddie Kingston's crew. And Taz's crew and the Elite. Yeah. Is anyone not in a group? 
Adam. <laughs> He's emotionally unavailable. <laughs> and that's, that reminds me, they also advertise uh, Pac is going to, uh, we're going to see Pac next week on Dynamite. Get uh, Death Triangle back together. <laughs> presumably remote from England, but uh, oh. but at least they're reminding us that he lives. Oh, I hope he comes back and is like, Kingston, release my boys. I hope so, but I mean, UK is about to go into a, a second lockdown through December yeah. 2nd. I heard France was in it too. Yeah. It's tough all over. Damn it. Um, <laughs> and they probably have like less cases on a national basis than Ohio had yesterday, but oh you know. <laughs> Guys, it's <laughs> over because we all got bored with it, so like, can we pick something else to focus on? Thank um, you. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know, I will say this, like, as, as the last bit of COVID talk here, th- thankfully, yeah, yeah, it's it's shitty that, like, cases are, are, are ticking up again and really kind of exploding, but we do know how to treat it a lot better than we did in March when it first came into our lives. We do. Yeah. The, so, so, so while the case rates are growing, the fatality rate is, is getting lower and lower. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but we're turning the, mm, do you want me to make, Jenny, put your earmuffs on. <laughs> are they on? She just, she just like took out the earbuds and placed them on the table. I'm sure Megan's going to say good news. Oh yeah. Yeah. It totally is. Um, listeners, we are entering flu season in the U.S. It is not great that we have flu season plus COVID-19 running rampant over our country. We will overwhelm the healthcare systems. Please get a flu shot. Also, stay indoors. And please respect the CDC. I just, I don't know why our um, quote-unquote rights are more important than the general health and safety of our country, but uh, maybe don't take that stance okay jenny can come back now you can come back now jenny megan just advised people to get another flu shot oh okay good <laughs> and i talked about like pandas no. and okay okay koalas Puppies. and you know like Guys, everything's great rainbows and sunshine there's a baby panda that was born at the dc zoo and everyone should follow. I think it's called like the Smithsonian Zoo now mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. You get to see like live photos of their baby panda cub, which I think is about two months old now. Oh, wait, Jenny. Really cute. Uh, I'm checking Twitter and I see that that panda cub has just been inducted into the nightmare family. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart move. Man, I would tattoo that on my neck if there was a baby <laughs> panda cub that was like on. Like if Cody could make that happen for Dynamite each week. <laughs> he would be hands down my favorite wrestler of all time, and I will get a tattoo of the Nightmare Family. All right, we have one last bit of business to uh, accomplish here before we go, and that is Jenny's full gear picks, which unfortunately she's going to have to do without seeing the final build. Ooh. But uh, you're going to be one week out, so I think I think you'll be okay. Okay, I think you'll be okay. All right, here we go. Uh, starting with. The uh, buy-in, we've got Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Oh. <laughs> I like that this is a stumper. First <laughs> one. <laughs> well, you know what? You know who I want to win this? The little muscle pervert John Silver? I want John Silver to win this, but I think probably Orange Cassidy's going to win. Okay. All right. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh... 
Next up, let's go with Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's World Championship. This is a stomper. I I feel like I feel like Nyla might win, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go with my girl Sheeta. Yeah. Go with my heart on this. I do think this is one that could definitely go either yeah, way. Yeah, I, I I feel like it's probably the right time to to switch it out, but I. I don't know that Nyla is the right pick. I don't think it's a good time to switch it out if you've done zero build. Yeah. Uh, how about Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in the Elite Deletion match? I think Matt has to win that. Okay. Okay. But, like, God, if I... Oh, my God. Please, please, no one get hurt. I have good news for you. They've already taped this match. Okay. It is a cinematic match, so it's okay. it's. They I, learned from sure, past mistakes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been taped in advance. Okay. So yeah. Uh, about MJF versus Chris Jericho. I think MJF's gonna win that. And just. And then they're gonna break up the inner circle because of the feuding. And so I think it's a terrible idea to bring MJF into your inner circle. Yeah. I think it's a good storyline though. Yeah. Him, him is being you know part of that. Let's go with Cody defending the TNT title against Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. And to give you, uh, I just want to give you a little bit of context on Cody and Darby. Uh, they they first met at Fighter Fest, the first Fighter Fest. It was a draw, and they had a draw, a very famous draw. Uh, both because it established that you can have draws in AEW, and that like Darby is somebody to watch. And then, let me see. I think I, I have a I have a list here. Oh, maybe I don't. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Darby then wrestled Cody in the first round of the TNT Championship Tournament. Yep, and lost. And lost. And then Darby has had one shot at the TNT title on the Dynamite and also lost that. Ooh. So he's... Zero wins, two losses, and one draw against Cody for his career. You know who I'm going to pick? I'm going to go with Darby. I feel like Darby needs a big win. Yeah. When was, like, has he, he's never had a big win. He's never win. had a big win. I, I think Darby, and, and Cody's already held this title twice. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the kind of title because there's you so much there's so much emphasis on defending it often mm-hmm. that you can just, you can move it around. I yeah. agree. I'm going to go with Darby. Okay. I like that. You, I mean, I think at this point, I would also go with Darby. You know Ricky Starks is going to be like, give me that title if Darby gets it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or as Taz calls him, Darby. Darby. <laughs> I always think of the house elf. Yeah. <laughs> Darby is a free elf. <laughs> uh, okay, Jenny, how about FTR versus the Young Bucks with the stipulation that if the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championship again. I think it's going to be the Bucks because I think they gave away the ending. Yeah. FTR versus Young Bucks. You pick Bucks. All right, two to go. In the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament, we've got Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. When will the challenger get the the shot for the world championship with Moxley? They haven't told us. <sighs> they just get it. Because I think Kenny is going to be the next 
holder of that championship belt. Mm-hmm. And I, will, I think so. Let me just say this: there'll probably be if if they hold the same schedule they did this year, the next pay per view won't be until the end of February. So you're talking about like three and a half months. They've done that though before. They can. They know how to string it along. String it along. They'll just have them do promos against each other and like have other. I'm gonna go with Kenny. Okay. And then I think he's gonna win the title in February. Okay. And finally, Moxley versus Kingston. Moxley. Okay. (laughs) I love your lack of hesitation. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, Jenny, for those picks. Do you guys want to do your picks now? I was going to say, do we get like a week more notice? We do get a week advantage um, because we're going to do picks with uh, our guest host who's joining us uh, this Thursday night, uh, Jason uh, Steele Spencer. Uh, Very exciting. And uh, yeah, so we'll all we'll all know. Uh, we'll have four people picking this time. That's exciting. Yeah, totally. I'm sad to miss next week's podcast, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, well, we'll miss you. We know you have to get away every quarter because you just cannot take it. I know it's it's like my my day vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not because you're putting in 15 hours at work. Nope, yeah. not couldn't do that. No. You said 15 hours, and I feel like that um, makes it sound like you're doing part-time work, but 15 or 50? 15. 15 for the day that we would need to record the podcast. Oh, <laughs> it's just the day. I'm sorry. I have no concept of hours. I'm very bad at it. That's okay. Maybe it'll only be 14. Maybe. Hey, you know, if you catch, if you catch a good tailwind, mm-hmm. then <laughs> just like push you right along. Honestly, the the oof, like the talk of your work, it mm, it makes me want to puke. <laughs> Sorry, Jenny. Not because you know it's just like ugh, like that's a lot of hours, and I'm very lazy. It's a lot of hours, and you can't can't watch Dynamite in that condition. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. For Megan, for Jenny, I'm Andy. You've been listening to the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat. E E Elite Beat. <laughs>